coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast brought to you by our great friends at MyBookie. Hopefully, all of you already got in on the action during week zero, made a little bit of cash, lined those pockets heading into week one. But if not, no big deal. There is still plenty of time to sign up for a brand new account at MyBookie before the season really starts in earnest. Make sure to take advantage of this exclusive Glory UGA promo deal while you can. It's real simple, guys. Go to mybookie.ag, sign up for a new account, and use our promo code UGA to get a 50% bonus on your first deposit. We're going to have some picks on today's episode for you guys, so maybe you can even use some of those to make a little cash for yourself this football season. But all right, let's go ahead and move into today's show. And you know, running this podcast... I get asked a bunch of questions all throughout the year, obviously a lot during the season, but during the offseason as well. And one of the most common questions that I get really all year round is, hey man, are we ever going to get you, Charlie, and Curtis on the same episode? And you know, between diseases being caught on honeymoons, Charlie's offseason world tour, and just how busy life gets in general, especially during the season, traveling to and from games, jobs, all that stuff. It's true that we are not able to make that happen as often as we would like, but but a couple times a year, the stars align and we are able to make it happen for the biggest episodes of the year. And this, my friends, is one of those episodes. And honestly, besides national championship game recaps where we win national titles, this is my favorite episode to do each and every season. But you guys know the drill. I am your host, Tyler. And yes, joining me today are both of my co-hosts, Charlie, a.k.a. the star of the podcast, and my man, Curtis, who is just happy to be alive after the past two weeks or so. And the reason we had to clear out our schedules to make this happen today is because, in case you didn't realize, we've got a game this week. And so does every other team in the SEC not named Vanderbilt. Well, I guess they have a game this week. They've already played one. So we have some predictions to make. It's now or never. We've done our homework all offseason. We've talked about it on the show all offseason. We've used our SEC helmet schedules to pick every single game that will be played by SEC teams this year to try to give you guys the most accurate predictions possible. These are, guys, like, it frustrates me sometimes when people just kind of throw out random records for different teams and different conferences. And it's like, well, like, the math doesn't add up, man. Like, this is not where we are just throwing something against the wall. I'm not saying that all these picks are going to be right. They won't be. Hopefully some of them are. Hopefully more are right than are wrong. But if they are wrong, it won't be for a lack of trying. So we have a ton of predictions to make here on the show today. But first, speaking of Vanderbilt, we did have some actual college football games this weekend. The appetizer that was week zero has now come and gone. Yeah, we were short on high profile games. There wasn't anything all that compelling, but it was still college football, man. And after an eight month absence, it was nothing short of glorious, at least for me. So Charlie, Curtis, before we get into our predictions, any takeaways from week zero? My biggest thing was I had two is probably that I think Notre Dame's going to be better than what most of us expected with Sam Hartman. 
And then number two, I think that USC is still who we all thought that they were. That's my big takeaway is USC is USC, right? Bear Alexander can talk all he wants about how their defense is the same as Georgia's. Um, obviously not. Get out of here with that. Charlie, what about you? USC has no defense. Ever. Yeah. It just, it's just it, – it's at this point, guys, like is Lincoln Riley ever going to feel like even a competent defense at this point? Well, it's the same thing, different year. Yeah, I'm exactly. I, I, I've just gotten to the point where it's like – yeah, Lincoln Riley's going to have one of the best offenses in the country, probably going to have the Heisman Trophy winning quarterback, but defensively, there's I don't know if he's ever going to have the defense that's going to win a national title. Like, Curtis, do you think it's ever going to happen for him? No, because at this point, he would have he just sticks with the same people. Yeah, and like we're not talking about like a one or two year sample size. We're talking about five, six, seven year sample size, man. Like it's just like they're always good. They're always a, a, a top team in the country, but just never good enough to win a national title. I just that's never gonna change. I don't care how good their offenses are. It's never gonna change until they do something defensively. I mean, of course they gave up what, what two hundred yards essentially rushing to to San Jose State. Yeah, I San mean, Jose State was gashing them. I mean, it was it was twenty one fourteen at halftime, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I couldn't watch. I have YouTube TV, so we don't get Pac-12 Network, the whatever, if that even actually exists. So I was just trying to keep up with it online as much as I could. But, I mean, man, it's just not a great look. Any, any thoughts on Vandy? Did you catch that, Kurt? Um, I watched some of it. I mean, I got to say, A.J. Swan actually is a, a pretty good quarterback. He's got the tools. Um, I think there's at times maybe some accuracy issues here and there, but he's young and he's talented. Like, he's a different kind of guy. He's bigger than he was last year. Like, he put on some weight. But, I mean, he's, what, 6'4", 6'5", he's a big dude. They got some playmakers, man, offensively. They oh, got yeah. Some guys. They got some guys. Now, defensively and offensive line, um, yeah, not so much. But they got some guys. They got some guys. But, um, Charlie, did you watch any of that game? Well, I was going to talk about the logistics of the Vandy Stadium because it's just a nightmare. And then there's a tent for the visitor's locker room. Like maybe the tent is nicer than the previous locker room, but it's also a tent. So what if it's like really cold or it's lightning? It was raining. It was lightning. Yeah, that game was delayed. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. I would have been terrified. Is there AC in there? I mean, it's the southeast. It's going to be 95 degrees out there. I mean, they can pump in AC, but. Yeah, it's I not ideal by far. I mean, I guess that's going to be our setup, right? When we go there yeah, in October. Yeah, and it's going to be hot. It'll be yes, a little bit warmer. October in the south, it's going to be 90 degrees. I, I don't know, man. Like, I, I don't know what the SEC can do about that, but can't they step in and be like, hey, guys, like, let's – isn't there – there's a standard, right? I mean, there are actual standards on what a locker – a business locker room has to be. I know that there well, are. Well, my thing exactly is what did, they are. did – I'm just confused. Did Vanderbilt not run any of their plans by the SEC before this, like before they started construction, saying, "Hey, this is probably what's going to happen." Yeah, I, I I had that same thought, but I'm sitting here thinking, like, well, what can the SEC do? Can the SEC actually say, "No, you can't do this"? Because on one hand, it's like, well, at least Vandy's finally committing some financial resources to their programs. There is that, but then it's also like, you can't play a football game. Like I'm actually, yeah, I, I mean, they, they could, game. they may have like forced them to go to the. T- Titan Stadium or something. Not, I yeah, mean, at least like, have some exactly. alternate. Like I usually love going to that game, but this year it's kind of like it's gonna be a it's a nightmare. I, I mean, like Nashville's fun and all. I mean, I know Charlie hates Nashville, but I think Nashville's great. It's just that I don't know. It's always like a fun, quaint little stadium to go to. It's like no stress because you get to beat the hell out of Vanderbilt every year. And now it's we'll still do that, but it's kind of like wow, this is just kind of it sucks. The scene there of the cranes holding up a scoreboard in the end zone is just too much, man. It's ridiculous, <laughs> ridiculous. But all right. So that was week zero. It has come and gone, but we have some predictions to make between us. So it's about time that we get there. So Charlie, as the star of the podcast, allegedly at least, I am handing the reins of the show over to you from here on out. So where are you taking us? 
How very kind of you. Thank you. Nice guy. Great guy, actually. All right. Well, today we're going to break down every SEC team. And since this is a Georgia podcast, obviously we're going to start with Georgia. Although I feel like maybe we should save Georgia for the end to make people listen the whole way through. You're the star of the podcast. So we can get paid for all of the listens, but it's okay. No, we're, we're not going to do that to the fine people we out there. We said we were going to start with Georgia, so we'll start with Georgia. I have Georgia going 12-0. and 0 and Homer. Yeah, well. Homer alert. I'm okay with that. Curtis, what do you predict Georgia's record will be? I'm also probably going to, uh, in the Homer category, I have them also going 12-0. and 0. Any specific reasons you want to throw out there? I think more than anything, it's just the way our schedule sets up is very, you know, not too many trap games going into it. And the unfortunate part of not playing Oklahoma week two um, as a fan, that game stinks. But, you know, record wise, it you replace them with Ball State, who's an easy win. And that, so I think there's you, only a couple tough games that we're looking at this year, like Tennessee and Ole Miss. But I think overall, just the way it sets up that I think it looks like another 12 and 0 season. Yeah, I agree. Our schedule's kind of a joke. Um, hey, we sure. have seven home games this year, Charlie. Yay, and they're so totally worth it. But anyways, Tyler, what do you have Georgia's record at? Well, the Homer effect is in full bloom here on the Glory UGA podcast. I'm with you guys. I, I tried to look this, at this as, as objectively as I could. I, I'm not going to spend too much time on this because Curtis and I did do our official Georgia season preview last week at the end of last week so you guys can check that out if you haven't already get some more in-depth thoughts on on why we think georgia's gonna go 12 and 0 but i mean you guys nailed it the schedule i mean more than anything is very conducive to a third consecutive 12 and 0 season which is just almost unbelievable to even think is possible that we go 12 and 0 three straight seasons in the regular season i mean curse correct me if i'm wrong charlie you can correct me if i'm wrong here too alabama hasn't done that under nick saban right three years in a row um i don't think so because i don't think they've ever been to three um sec championships in a row yeah, I think that I'm almost like 99.9999% certain that has not happened. In fact, I'm going to say I'm 100% certain that's not happened. So we're talking about unprecedented territory here potentially if this happens. Now, obviously, the regular season is just a means to an end. The means obviously to get to where you want to go win another national championship. But the regular season certainly makes it very, very conducive to to putting ourselves in position to do that. Curtis, you're right. I think there are I think there are some losable games on this schedule, as I've said a couple times during the offseason. I don't think that we are going to lose those games, as I have us going 12-0. But I still think there are some games that could be potential pitfalls for us. Obviously, at Tennessee, that's going to be an insanely raucous environment. Uh, but we've been there. We've done that before. This is a better Tennessee team than we saw in 2021, probably. But I, I, I still think that we are going to be – and good enough shape at that point. I think that we, we should have a better team overall. Like we have a better roster. Quarterback, obviously, we need to see that to like truly, truly, truly believe it. But I, I have seen enough from Carson Beck to tell me he has the physical tools, as I laid out last week. It's just a matter of, okay, can you do it from an intangible, from like a, a show above the shoulder standpoint? And we should know that by the time we get to Tennessee. So I'm I'm putting my faith in just the overall talent level there and just our our culture and just the pedigree of the Georgia program right now to, to give us that win in Knoxville. Ole Miss, I think, could be a tricky game, like an ultimate trap game. Right before Tennessee, I, I think that Ole Miss is – I'm clear. Like, look, here's the thing with our schedule. For I think like the third or fourth year in a row, maybe fifth year in a row, I don't know how many years, we go into a season yet again in a situation where we are clearly the more talented team every single week. Like there is not one single week that we will go into a game where we are the less talented team. So we absolutely should not lose any of those games. But we also shouldn't have even come close to losing at Missouri last year. So you know those games can't happen if we don't play to our standard – but I think, like, honestly, even if we only, like, let's say we play a C-level game, 
I think there's only a handful of teams on our schedule that can beat us, even if we play a C-level game, even if they play their A game. I think Tennessee could if we don't play up to our standard. I think Ole Miss could if we don't play up to our standard. Maybe at Auburn, just because of the fact that it's on the road, it'll be another crazy environment. It'll be Carson's first true road start. Maybe if we go in there and just completely wet the bed and they play an A game, like things can spiral out of control. But outside of that, I just don't see who's actually capable of beating us on our schedule. I just don't see it. We're just that much better than everyone. I don't think that this is Kirby Smart's most talented Georgia team. In fact, I think if you set up the 2021 team, 22, and this team, I would probably have from a talent overall talent standpoint, I I might have this team as the as number three among those those three teams. But that doesn't that that doesn't really matter. We're not we're not playing 2021 Georgia, 2022 Georgia. We just have to be the best team in the context of this season. And I think each week during the regular season, I think that will absolutely be the case. Again, we've been there. We've done that. We have the pedigree. We have the culture. We have the leadership. We have incredible talent. So I, I, I can't look at the schedule and sit here and say that, oh, yeah, we're going to lose a game. We could lose a game. There are losable games. I just can't sit here and predict that's going to happen before the season starts. Yep, I got 12-0. All right. Well, making our way through the rest of the SEC East, let's go to Tennessee. Everybody believes Georgia's top contender is going to be the Vols this year, like last year, I guess, probably for the foreseeable future. Well, there won't be an SEC East. Well, that's the, yeah. true, obviously. Well, if there was still going to be an SEC East, then probably Tennessee for the future. I have Tennessee going 10-2 and two with losses to Georgia and at Alabama. Curtis, what about you? Um, I am in the same boat. Um, I feel like that may happen sometimes, uh, quite a bit. But, oh, yeah, overall, um, the way their schedule – sets up pretty well for them honestly um so i I think that they have there's not too many there's a couple toss-ups i think a&m at home's a toss-up for them but overall i'm gonna go with the 10 and 2 all right well tyler i know you just did the scouting the enemy episode on tennessee so give us just a brief overview of what you expect from the balls this year oh i call it that brief charlie did i go too long with the georgia one (laughs) <laughs> no, I'm just saying people can go check out the whole episode if they want, like, a real deep dive. Uh-huh, nice save but, there. Nice save there. We yep, have, nice you know, save, lots Charlie. of teams to go through. Uh-huh, nice save. Okay, okay, fine. All right, real, real quick synopsis. All right, I got Tennessee. Wait, Kurt, you said 10-2? and two? Yeah, I got – I went 10-2. and two. All right, Charlie also went 10-2. and two. I'm a little – I'm not that far off, you guys. I got Tennessee going 9-3. and three. You guys will probably hear this, me say this a couple of times. There's a couple of teams. I, I went through a couple iterations of my my picks, and I had originally Tennessee going 10 and 2, but the more I thought about it, I think that game at Kentucky is a really really tricky spot for Tennessee. It falls right after Alabama. At Alabama, so they're coming off. They have a bye week, and they got A&M at home at Alabama, then at Kentucky. I we'll get this a little bit later, I guess, whenever Charlie wants us to go to Kentucky. I think Kentucky is going to be a sleeper team in the SEC this year, not to win the conference or division or anything, but I think they're going to be much better this year. And I think they're going to, to beat Tennessee in Lexington if Tennessee is coming off. You know, the old, I know Bama's not the same vintage Bama, but the old Bama body blow theory, coming off that game, there's no way that Tennessee is going to be in a full-on zeroed-in mindset on that Kentucky game. And I think that's just a spot Kentucky can sneak up and beat them. So I've got them losing at Alabama, at Kentucky, and I have them losing to Georgia at home. I also certainly consider the loss to AM. In fact, on my this is like my fourth iteration of, of my helmet sketch here. I have even on this fourth, I have like loss, W, loss, W, marked out a couple different times with the AMs. That one, you're right, or total toss up there. But I settled on nine and three. I think this team could be 10 and two, anywhere from 10 and two to eight and four, I think is what I would say would be my range for Tennessee. All right. Well, short enough for you, Charlie. That was very good. Good job. Well, next up we have South Carolina. Shane Beamer has made a believer out of 
a lot of people after the Cox closed out last year with two top 10 wins. Um, but do you think they can carry that momentum over? That's a me, a me thing. Um, no, Charlie, I do not. Um, I have South Carolina going five and seven. I know that's not exactly what Carolina fans are hoping from this season. They think that they're going to win the, win the East. Of course they do. Why not? Hope Springs eternal, right? Can't begrudge them for that. Chris, I'm curious your thoughts on this UNC game, man. I think this is like the game of like, – obviously the Florida-Utah game is going to be awesome. LSU-Florida State is going to be awesome. But like on Saturday, I mean, I'm more excited to watch UNC-South Carolina than any other game. Who do you think is going to win that one? Um, I'm going with UNC over South Carolina. My biggest thing is that I just don't see them clicking on all cylinders to start the year. Um, you know, they're, they're replacing a few weapons offensively. And so I think that's why I just don't see them coming out to start the year hot. And, and Spencer I, Rattler, you just never know. You just don't know. Yeah, you don't know. Like Spencer Rattler, it took him until most of the season to really get going. And, are and we you know Drake May. Like the rest of the team might not be great, but Drake May is a dude. Yeah, like Carolina's offense is not going to lose them the game. And I just don't know if South Carolina um, and Spencer Rattler can score enough early. Agreed. Agreed. I think they lost a lot of players off. Like you mentioned, a lot of weapons offensively and defensively. I just don't know if they're there yet. I mean, UNC obviously doesn't play defense either, but I mean, I'm just going to give Drake May the edge there. So I I mean, that's a toss up game in a lot of ways, but I'm going to go UNC there. Uh, So I've got Carolina going five and seven. Look, I think Carolina's a a good solid team. I mean, it's a tough schedule, man. You got to play at Georgia, you got to play at Tennessee, at A&M, and you got Clemson at the end of the year. And that's a tough schedule. I mean, there are some games that I'm saying are losses, like Kentucky at home. I Again, I think Kentucky's going to be really good. I think that's a loss. Uh, I have Missouri at Missouri as a loss. And I re- realize both those games are swing games that Caroline could absolutely win. But as much love as Shane Beamer gets, everyone loves Shane Beamer apparently. I know they won those two top ten games at the end of the last year. He has still yet to beat Missouri. Still yet to beat Missouri. That game's in Columbia, Missouri. So until I see them beat the, the Tigers, I, I can't go with it right now. So I got five and seven. Six and six is a real possibility. I don't really see seven and five. I think it's five or seven and six and six. One of those two. Curtis, what record do you have for South Carolina this year? So I went a little bit better than Tyler. I went six and six with them losing to UNC, Georgia, Tennessee, A&M, Kentucky, and then Clemson. So you give them Missouri. That's the difference we have? I think I, I think that by that time I'd be – I think South Carolina – yeah, I'm giving them the Missouri game. I that's think fair. That's, that's totally fair. I mean, six and six is very reasonable. Yeah. Well, I guess I like the Gamecocks more than everybody. I have them going seven and five, but their schedule is just brutal. I mean, yeah. it's ridiculous. It's, I mean, there's a couple. I think Carolina, Florida, and Ole Miss have the three, maybe the three toughest schedules in the, in the league, and it's they're nightmarish. And I definitely think Spencer Rattler is like they've been talking about how great he is. He's in control now. Blah blah blah. I just don't think he's going to be able to put it together the first game. Too many people are prisoners of the moment. And I know that we're eight, eight months removed from the season, but that all they remember is what, how he ended the year. And it's like, what? Well, okay. I mean, that's not who he was all year. But that's fine. Well, and we don't even know how their new offensive system's truly going to look with him. Yeah, if you listen in the fans of like NFL teams that had Dow Loggins as their offense coordinator, they're like laughing at South Carolina that, that they hired that guy. So we'll see how that goes. All right, well, moving on from South Carolina, let's talk about the Florida Gators. Who, let's go. They finished 6-7 and seven last year in Billy Napier's first season, capping it with that great, embarrassing blowout loss to Oregon State in the Las Vegas Bowl. Bowl, excuse me. And the schedule doesn't do the Gators any favors this year. Tyler, does Napier turn it around in year two? All right, Charlie, I appreciate you throwing this to me first. Can I... 
forego my chance to go first and allow Curtis. Curtis, you want to take this one first? I'm just curious what sure, you have. Sure, I'll on take this. it. Um, I'm curious. Billy what you Napier I'm all over the place is Billy Napier's. It's going to be a rough year for him. He's in for a very, very long year. Like, it's going to be going, rough. The question is how rough. It, I have them going four and eight. It, I'm going to go with wins since they're quite a bit fewer than their losses. I have them beating McNeese State, Charlotte, Vanderbilt, and Missouri. Here's my thing with Florida. I'm right there with you. I have it four and eight, but I have three and nine question mark because in like the first yeah, three iterations. The, the Missouri game could easily uh-huh. go the other way. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I'm looking at this. Okay, definitely going to beat McNeese, I think. They are definitely going to beat Charlotte, and I think they're going to beat Vanderbilt. They should, right? I mean, again, Vandy has some offensive weapons, but the, that offensive line is not that's not going to get it done, man. Like, that center was just atrocious last night against Hawaii. So, I mean, I know they lost to Vandy last year. I get that, but I think they get Vandy this year. So I'm going to give them those three wins, and then you look around, and you're like, okay, where's that next one coming from? Where's that next one coming from? Again, I had three and nine, like over and over and over again. But then I, 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 I'm kind of talking myself out of it. But it's like I'm picking every one of these games. It's not me just saying, you know, I think fours me three and nine. Like I'm looking at every one of these games. I'm thinking about them in detail, in depth, and I don't know who they're beating, Curtis. Missouri's, you're right, it's a toss-up one for me. It's at Missouri, right before Florida State. It's going to be freaking cold in Columbia, Missouri, and Florida's not used to that. They've had issues playing in Como late in the season before. They've lost a couple times in that spot late in the season. I don't think Missouri's great. But end of the year, I mean, if like if Sam Horn is the quarterback of Missouri, if he ends up taking over that job, he'll be a veteran ish by the time that that game rolls around. And Florida, my, you know, here's the thing, Curtis. Like Florida at that point, let's say that they're like, I don't know, let's say they're three and seven at that point. Have they just given up? Yeah, that, I mean, that's very po- possible. That's my thing. It's like a, it's a, it's a mindset thing. It's like it's like what happened at the end of the Dan Mullen tenure, right? That year, like they weren't that bad. They were okay most of the year but after we beat the hell out of them they kind of just gave up and they lost all those teams they had no business losing to because they were more talented like south carolina they shouldn't have lost that game but they did and i think missouri at the end of the year could be fighting for bowl eligibility once again that game is what i think could mean a lot more to missouri than than florida so i really want to say three and nine i really do but i think maybe florida has enough talent somewhere somehow along the way to win a game maybe they should maybe they can win a game at south carolina like maybe they can beat arkansas at home but yeah, I don't know, man. I think I'm right there with you. Four and eight, but three and nine is very much in the cards, which is insane. And Kurt, let me ask you this. If they go four and eight, three and nine, does Billy Napier make it to year three? I think he does, and the only reason is it just seems like they can't afford to move on. He's, he's building yeah. something there. Like, he's recruiting really well. But here's the thing. I, I think the administration wants to be patient with him because they know what he's doing behind the scenes. But is the fan base going to be that patient with him when you have your two rivals, your top two rivals in Georgia and Florida State, potentially competing for college football playoff bids and Georgia winning back to back? I mean, who knows? Maybe in a third one, Tennessee taking a massive step forward these past couple years. So Florida's just sitting there going three and nine, four and eight. Are the fans going to be that patient? I don't know. I don't. That's my question. Yeah, I, we'll I think see. that's going to be the issue. Yeah. Yeah. Do they, do they force the issue there. So I don't know who's are the inmates going to run the asylum base. It's a question I have there, but we'll see. Charlie, what do you have? You guys are higher on Florida than I am. I have no. them going three and nine. And a part of me wants to say, what if they lose to Vanderbilt? I, it's not they did crazy. It last year. Yeah, it's not crazy. So you're saying two and ten is in the cards. I mean, it could be. Well, I mean, what if they lose McNeese, Charlie? Well, I don't <laughs> think that'll happen. But maybe what if, if they did though? What, what if, if it just implodes? Did? What if they lost to Charlotte or McNeese yeah. at home? Oh my God. All right. Well, let's move away from Florida and on to Eli Drinkowitz at Missouri. It's his fourth year. 
and he might be able to put together a winning season for the first time. Do you think he gets it done? No, I don't. Um, six and six for Mizzou. Six and six. I mean, I think he's another coach that's building something there. Like he's now it's all relative, but he's recruiting at a higher rate than any coach in Missouri history. Their class two years ago was the highest recruiting class. The what the Luther Burden class was the highest rate recruiting class in Missouri history. They just landed. We know Williams Wary. Uh, well, because the NIL law there, but hey, they landed those guys. They might land Ryan Wingo, another Missouri guy. We'll see. But uh, they're they're doing a good job behind the scenes recruiting, building building some building the infrastructure within that program from a talent standpoint, even actual infrastructure standpoint. They're doing some things there. But like you look at the schedule, I just don't know. Like I think Kansas State is a tricky one. They they lost to Kansas State last year, and the final score was bad. It was kind of a blowout loss. But if you watch that game, which I did, it was a much closer game than the final score kind of indicated. It was one of those games, a couple of dumb turnovers, late some special teams stupidity. And then that's why that game kind of got out of hand. But Kansas State wasn't that much better than them. That game is in Columbia this year. So I got Kansas State winning that game, but I don't think it's insane to say Missouri has a shot to win it. Uh, their non-con outside, that's a joke. I mean, they got South Dakota, MTSU, and who else they've got? They've got uh, da, 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 Memphis. So I think they'll beat Memphis. But I just, I don't, I mean, they got to play LSU out of the West. They got to play Arkansas at Arkansas. So they got to play Tennessee, obviously, Georgia at Georgia. I'm gonna, I'm going six and six. I think they get back to a bowl. I just don't see a major step forward. They have a quarterback problem here. We talked about this on the Scout Enemy episode. Brady Cook is fine. He's okay. They're not gonna go much more than six and six with him. Now, Sam Horn is a guy who's gonna be splitting reps to open the season. Played at Collinsville High School in Gwinnett County, and he's a big time baseball player over there in Columbia. But he's gonna be splitting reps, and I think like, his ceiling is much higher. Now, is he ready? Because he hasn't had that much experience. Cook obviously has the experience, the experiential edge. But if Horn can turn the corner there early in the season and take that job, I think that all of a sudden changes the ceiling for that Missouri team at large. And maybe they get to seven, maybe eight. Who knows? But until I see that, I can't go higher than six and six right now. All right, I have Missouri going seven and five, so I like them a little bit more. I have them winning that Kansas State game. Curtis, how much faith do you have in the Tigers this season? Oh, I have a lot less than you guys. I have them going five and seven. I don't think that's crazy. Who do you have them losing to? Oh, I have them losing seven straight games to end the season. Whoa, to so you have them losing South Carolina over. too? Yep, after Vanderbilt, their season's over. So you have them losing LSU, Kentucky. Okay, oh, wow. I mean, that's not crazy. I mean, they can lose to South Carolina. I mean, South Carolina probably has more overall talent. Florida, they could definitely lose that game too. So I think that's crazy. So you get five, what you said, four and eight? Seven, or five and seven. Five and seven, five and seven, okay. All right, I'm going six and six. All right, all right. No, I said, what did I say? Yeah, six and six. Okay, I got six and six. All right. So, Curse, you're, you're also at five and seven, Charlie, right? Seven and five. Okay, I'm all over the place. I'm not I'm not hearing things. You're not. You I'm not hearing. Seven and five because the inverse is throwing me off. Okay, I'm you done. Don't I'm, do dumb. Well. I'm an idiot. We know. You don't do well with numbers. Okay. Kentucky was a trendy pick last year with even a couple of SEC analysts picking the Cats to beat Georgia, which was mind-blowing. But they ended up stumbling to a 7-5 and five regular season record. Tyler, I know from listening to the podcast this summer that you're pretty high on the Wildcats this year. What do you expect from them? Briefly. Oh, okay, briefly. Um, briefly, I expect a lot from Kentucky. I, I recognize this is going to be very, very aggressive. But again, guys, I spent a lot of time picking these games, game by game. I got Kentucky going 10 and 2, Charlie. 10 and 2. And I know. Oh, wow. Look, I know. I know, Curse. I know. But let's not forget, I was the guy last year who, when everyone was, you're right, Charlie, they were a Trinity pick. People were picking them 9, 10 games. They won 10 games in 2021. I said, not so fast, my friend. I had them going, I think I had them going like 6 and 6. 
So I was not high on Kentucky last year because I knew that they lost a ton of their offensive line. I know that team is built. They need a strong offensive line to run the football and work play action off that. I did not believe in Will Levis, and I knew they were working in some new faces on defense. So I didn't think that was going to be a vintage Kentucky year. And Kentucky's not a team that's going to go 10 wins, 10 wins, 10 wins, 10 wins year after year. They build to it, and I think they've built to it this year. I think Devin Leary is a game changer for them. I know a lot of people don't watch a ton of NC State. I like college football. I watch a lot of college football. Devin Leary, was he's been banged up all throughout his career. But if he stays healthy, he stayed healthy for one full year at NC State, and that was in 2021. And that dude's numbers, well, I think it was 35 touchdowns, five picks. That dude was off the charts really good, way better than Will Levis if he can stay healthy. We'll see if he stays healthy. I don't know. I love Barry on Brown, Dane Key at receiver. Their offensive line wasn't an absolute disaster last year. They went and addressed that in the portal. I think they will be better. They're not going to be as good as they were in 21, but they will be better. And I think they have some studs on defense. J.J. Weaver, they have some guys can flat out play on that defense. And I, I think Mark Stoops is an incredible coach. I look at this the schedule, and they get Florida at home. And Kentucky, you know, for a, they couldn't beat, was it like 25, 26 years in a row they lost to Florida? That's changed over the past couple of years. So I, I like them to beat Florida at home. It's kind of a, a, a swing game there. I don't think they're going to beat us. Um, I do have them beating Tennessee at home. And, again, I, I recognize Tennessee has more talent. I, I fully recognize that. And Tennessee beat the crap out of them last year. Let's not forget, two years ago in 2021, that was a hell of a football game. And Tennessee barely won that game. And this is, again, a situation where Tennessee is playing A&M at home at Alabama, then at Kentucky. That's the ultimate trap game spot. I think the Cats can pull that upset there. And then I got losing to Alabama. And then I think at Louisville is a very tricky game. It's another one where I had an LW kind of crossed out over each other. I'm giving them the win there, but that could certainly be a loss. I know I'm aggressive here. I'm going 10-2. and two. A little preview of my win total show that we're going to do later on this week. I got, I'm got i heavy on Kentucky over 6.5 this year. That's my biggest win total by far. They might not get the 10 wins, but I don't see any way they don't get to at least eight. All right, I have them going seven and five, but Tyler, did you place any win total bets on Kentucky? I just said it was the biggest one I had all year. Okay, sorry. Yeah, I zoned out six and a half. I got them early at six and a half. I mean, I'm oh. massive on Kentucky this year. All right, Curtis, what do you think of Kentucky this year? Um, I'm in, in between. I have them going eight and four with losses to Georgia, Tennessee, Alabama, and Louisville. And I think that's fair, Curtis. Like, I can't, I really can't argue that they absolutely could lose to Louisville. Tennessee is a more talented team. That's you're you're probably being a reasonable one here. I know I'm being very aggressive. I just I know like when Kentucky has had like when Mark Schoops has had his best teams at Kentucky, what has he had? Okay, he's had a quarterback that can that can do some things that can hit hit play action shots down the field. He's had a good offensive line and stellar defense. And I think that's he's kind of got that formula again this year. So I don't know. Um, I could be wrong. I mean, the real answer is probably eight and four, nine and three. But you know what? You gotta take your shot somewhere. I'm taking my shot with Kentucky at ten and two. All right, to wrap up the SEC East, the only team that we've had a chance to look at is Vanderbilt. I have Vandy going four and eight, so they will not have the worst record at the end of the season, according to my picks. Oh, Florida. Yeah. Oh, wow. Florida dead last. They got to fire Napier if he's dead last. They have to. Curtis, what's your pick? Oh, I have them going uh, two and ten. Whoa. Okay. So you got Alabama A&M, UNLV as wins, and that's it? No, I guess yep. Hawaii. Hawaii, I guess, yeah. Hawaii, Alabama, A&M. I mean, so I guess you know, that makes them three and nine. Then I guess that makes them three and nine. Are you giving them at UNLV? Yeah, I am. I mean, you know, they got they got Barry Odom over there now in Vegas. So who knows? All right, I got. I don't know. I, that's a. This is a. I mean, who knows? I mean, like, for Vanny to win an SEC game, Curtis, someone essentially has to have quit by the, by the end of the year, right? That's. I mean, that's what it's gonna feel like. Yeah, I mean, I know they they won a couple late last year, 
But you know, they beat Kentucky, and uh, granted, that was a good win for them. At Kentucky, great win for Vandy last year. But Will Levis is also, I mean, it, he's terrible. We know that. But also was banged up and couldn't really move much in that game. So there, there were issues there. Um, but I think it, 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 would, it would take a team that's like got serious injury issues or is just like given up late in the year for Vandy, I think, to win an SEC game. And it's not because they don't have some good players. I think Will Shepard is a really good SEC receiver. Jade McGowan is awesome. Um, he's a really dynamic player. They got some good backs. I, I saw some things out this uh, on uh, Saturday against Hawaii. I think A.J. Swan is one of the better quarterbacks they've had in a couple of years. But they're just, I mean, from a talent standpoint, they're just on such a different level and a much lower level than everyone else in the league. So I got going four and eight. I'm giving them the win at Wake. I'm giving them that win. Um, and that's a, that's a that is being very generous on my part. They lost to Wake last year at home. I think Vandy might actually be better than they were last year. I want to see what Wake's got in the post-Sam Hartman era. I don't know. I know it's kind of a plug-and-play system with a long mesh point. I know that, but yeah, I think Vandy, you know, SEC talent. I know Wake has <laughs> been solid the past couple of years, but I think what Wake went 6-6 six and six last year, I think, or maybe 7-5. and five. So I'm going to go Vandy 4-8. Uh, and eight. And so that does it for the SEC East, but we still have the entire SEC West to go. But before we get there, I do want to quickly remind you guys again about our great friends at MyBookie. College football season is back, guys. It is officially back, and that also means that winning season has returned once again at MyBookie. We've got a ton of picks for you today. I'm actually going to do a full-on win total show later this week by popular demand. I've had a bunch of you guys reach out to me over the past week saying, hey man, I know you like to put some win total bets down. Can you share those with us on social media? And I figured, you know what? I'll do you one even better. I'll do a full episode, give you my full-on explanation for each of my win total picks. So that's coming up later this week. And then Charlie and I, of course, will be back on later this week with our official week one picks of the week. So there is money to be made, my friends. All you have to do is go to mybookie.ag, sign up for a brand new account, use our exclusive promo code UGA, and you will get a 50% bonus on whatever that first deposit is. It is totally 100% free to create an account. And once you do that, then you can get in on the action, have some fun, and line your pockets this season while you're at it. So again, mybookie.ag, use that promo code UGA, and bet anything, anytime, anywhere with mybookie. All right, now on to the SEC West. Even though Alabama didn't win the West last year, they're still the standard of that division and are going into 2023 with the highest of expectations as always. You know, Nick Saban, he's what, 70 now? 70? I think the man's like 74, 72. No. no how? Let me look this I up. I think he's like 70. All right, stall for time. Look but this up. we're going to start there. So, Curtis, what do you think of Alabama this year? Uh, I have Bama going 9-3 and three this year with losses to Texas, Texas A&M, and LSU. Oh, wow. Okay. And did you find out how old Nick Saban is? I did. Nick Saban is going to turn 72 in October. Okay. Well, I picked Ooh, the wait. under. And I picked the over. Okay, so I guess you win. What do you think of Alabama this year? Curtis, you said nine and three? I did. You're a brave soul, man. I you're braver than me. I wanted to do that so badly. Who did you say you have them losing to? Uh Texas, Texas AM, and LSU. Damn, you stole my thunder. My my biggest bold prediction, I don't even know how bold this is. Apparently it's not that bold because you got a two curves. Texas is gonna be Alabama week two. Oh, it's, I've been saying that but for a while. It's at Alabama. I do not care. They don't have a quarterback, Charlie. And they might by midseason, by week two, they are not going to have a quarterback. Okay. They're going to lose that game. I, I don't want to spoil some of my playoff picks. 
I'm pretty high on Texas. Let's just say that. Okay. I'm pretty high on Texas this year. I know Texas is back. Okay. Yeah. Make all the jokes you want. I think Texas is, might actually be back this year. We'll see. Uh, but I got Texas winning that game. And you, of course, I know you've been on that. We've both been on that one for most of the offseason. Um, I do have them losing at AM. AM seems to some way somehow get up for uh, Alabama. They almost beat them last year. And that was with who at quarterback, Curtis? Payne's team. Right. And he well, might be the starting quarterback this year. That game's in College Station. Uh, yeah, I think they're going to lose that game. At least absolutely could. The LSU game, Curtis, is the one I went back and forth on. All right. I, this is the one I went back and forth on. I wanted to give LSU that game badly. Here's the thing is we'll get into LSU probably, I guess, next, Charlie. Uh, I'm not sold that LSU is going to be – I don't think LSU is as great as everyone thinks they are. That's just my thing. And I think if this game was in Baton Rouge like it was last year, I think LSU could certainly pull it off. And they could pull it off in Tuscaloosa because, again – Bama's got quarterback issues, and until they solve that, I don't know, man. Like, I think they could – like, eight and four is not out of the question. I mean, I don't get Ole Miss at home. They should have lost to Ole Miss last year. They absolutely should have lost to Ole Miss last year. Here's the thing with Bama, Curse. I don't th- – I think this might be one of the least talented – I shouldn't say least talented because they have a lot of talent over the roster, but they don't have it in the spots that matter as much, especially quarterback. And if you look at this schedule – it's a lot like a lot of the games I think that could be potential losses are at home this year. Like Ole Miss is at home, Arkansas is at home, LSU is at home. All three of those teams, if they were on the road, could get could get really tricky for Bama. But they get those games at home. So I got them going 10 and 2, but I don't feel great about that. I, I don't think this is a vintage Bama. I told you guys coming in last year, I did not think it was a vintage Bama team, and it was not. I also think this year it's not a vintage Bama team. And Bryce Young saved them so much last year. They would have gone eight and four last year if it was if it wasn't for Bryce Young, to be quite honest. And Bryce Young's not gone. So that's why I don't think it's crazy for you to say nine and three curse. I don't think it's crazy to say eight and four. I don't think it's insane. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Nick Saban pedigree here and just the fact that a lot of those potential toss-up games are at home. So I'm going 10 and 2. All right. Well, I guess I believe Nick Saban wants to prove something after last year because I have him. But didn't he want to prove something coming in last year? I feel like he's embarrassed after last year, so maybe a little more motivated. I have him. But how does that translate to more wins? I don't. Maybe you're right. I don't know. I just don't know how that translates to more wins. Well, I just have them going 11 and 1. Okay, fair, so we'll fair. see at the end of the season. You're, you're, honestly, Charlie, you're probably the one that's right. Probably. All right. Well, LSU was the team that actually won the West last year, and they got to get smacked around by Georgia in the SEC championship. Um, and they are also entering the season with extremely high expectations. However, I don't think they're going – I think they're going to have a good record, 11-1. and one, But I don't think they're going to be as good as they were last year, even though everyone's talking about them like they're the second coming of Christ. They are getting a lot of love. They are, for sure. Yeah. So, Tyler – oh, no. We'll go with Curtis first this time. Curtis, what do you expect from LSU? Uh, I'm with you, Charlie. I have them going 11 and one, also with a loss to uh, Ole Miss. Okay, I have them. Charlie, can I go? Do I have permission? Yes, you may. Okay, proceed. I'll make it short. I'll make it short. I got LSU going 10 and two. Um, I really, 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 really want them to beat Florida State in Week One. I really do. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not down with Florida State. This whole KJ Bolden stuff, whatever. I, I don't want Florida State to win that game. And Florida State's uh, much more of a recruiting threat to us than LSU is. Uh, obviously LSU recruits really, really well, but Florida State's much we, – we rely – not rely, but we recruit Florida very, very heavily. And Florida State being good could also could make that a little bit more difficult. So I want LSU to win that game. And I've gone back and forth, back and forth all offseason long. I think Florida State's going to win the game, especially when I with Mason Smith not playing in that game. I know that's just one player. It's a defensive lineman, and that's not going to be the be-all, end-all. But I think Florida State's really good. I really, really do, as we'll talk about a little bit later on. Uh, so I got them losing that game and I had them losing at Alabama, 
I think they could lose at Ole Miss. Uh, I think they could maybe lose to a at the end of the year. But I, I'm going to give them those games, call it even, and go 10-2 and two for the Tigers this year. Next up, let's go with Texas A&M, who is probably the most difficult team to figure out in the West this year. Um, Tyler, it's a talented team, but can they turn their record around this year? Well, I mean, they're not going to go 5-7 and seven again. I think we can safely say that. So depends on what you mean by turning the record around. Yes, I believe they can turn the record around this year and go much better than 5-7. and seven. In fact, this is another one. I have two really aggressive picks, and I own them. Kentucky is very aggressive in the East, and this A&M pick is very aggressive in the West. I have A&M going 10 and 2, Charlie. 10 and 2. Uh, I like how their schedule falls this year. You get Alabama at home. I think, as I mentioned earlier, I think they can win that game. I think they have the defensive line to give Bama some issues. I know, like they gave, like A&M was awful against the run last year. They have over 200 yards a game, but they are so much better than that. They had a lot, a lot of young dudes, like really young, talented guys. Those guys are. Still talented, but they're not so young anymore. They're actually experienced. So I think they're going to be better against the run this year. I think they can force whoever it is at Alabama playing quarterback to beat them with their arm. And I don't I don't know right now if they have that guy, Alabama. I just don't know. So I, I love what a has offensively. Their skill talent is maybe the best in the entire league. I mean, they have some ridiculous dudes. Moose Muhammad, Evan Stewart, Anaya Smith. Uh, I really think that Connor Wegman can – I mean, he's a five-star guy coming out of high school. And he showed some good signs at the end of last year. It's just a culture thing. I think that Jimbo Fisher turning the play calling over to Bobby Petrino, because that was the issue. That was the problem. There's two things last year. It was culture. That's just had some bad dudes on that team, some problems, some immature guys. And you had Jimbo Fisher trying to run a 1997 version of college football offense. And it just wasn't going to work anymore. They bring Bobby Petrino, and all that guy does is coach really good offenses and then leave in scandal. So he might leave in scandal in a year or two. But this one year, I think he's going to change things around for them offensively. And I, I got the Aggies going 10-2 with losses at Tennessee. I – I think AM is good enough to beat Tennessee because I think they have the defensive front to stop the Tennessee run game, which is a key to beating Tennessee. But it's the, where that game falls, it's right after they play Alabama. If they beat Alabama, they go to Knoxville next week. I don't know if AM's got the culture to win both those games back to back. So they're losing to Tennessee on the road and at LSU to end the season going 10 and 2. All right. I agree with a lot of what, what you just said. I have them also going 10 and 2. Curtis, what's your opinion on AM this season? I also have them going 10 and 2 with the same exact record uh, um, losses as Tyler. So you guys are telling me I'm not as aggressive as I thought I was. Correct. No. Okay, man, I thought I was going to have one over you guys. No, this is going to have one. I was going to come back to it all off and say, oh, I had AM going 10 and 2. Well, guess I can't do that. But I think you guys are right. I mean, let's not forget this is, according to the 247, what did they do, the blue chip ratio rankings? This is one of the five most talented teams in America based on recruiting rankings. And they were last year. I get that. But again, it was culture problems and Jimbo Fisher problems. They fixed the Jimbo Fisher problems, giving the play calling duties over to Bobby Petrino. Culture, we'll see, but a lot of those bad apples are gone. They they left. So I think there's a chance they fix both those issues. And now you have what, what do you have left? A lot of talent. I think the 10 and 2 is very reasonable. Okay. Another intriguing team in the West this year has to be the Auburn Tigers. Would you agree with Brian Harson being fired last year and bringing in Hugh Freeze? Uh, yeah, I think that Auburn will be better. Prior to all of the guys they brought in from the transfer portal, I would have told you back in like February, March, that they would have gone like four and eight. But I actually kind of like what they've done in the transfer portal. Bringing in Peyton Thorne um, was, I think, a big upgrade for them. I don't think he has quite the overall physical ceiling as Robbie Asher, but Asher's not ready to play quarterback right now. He's an incredible athlete and a dynamic athlete. Duke cannot play quarterback right now, not in the SEC. He needs time. If he takes it the right way and just learns and soaks it up, soaks this up and develops, he'll be really good for them in a year or two, just not so much this year. I think they brought, some, brought in some good players on the offensive line. I like what they did at receiver. 
And Hugh Freeze is just an upgrade at coach. It's just that simple. And this man has won a lot of football games in the SEC. Uh, a lot of what a lot of the issues they had the past couple of years in Harson was just coaching malpractice. And I don't think that's going to be the, the case this year. So I don't think Auburn like they're not where they need to be from a talent standpoint to really compete in the SEC because Brian Harson for two years basically just bottomed out their recruiting. And from a roster standpoint, they're not quite there yet. Now you can mitigate that to a degree now with the transfer portal, but it's only so much you can do in one year. So I do think they'll be better. I think it's a tough schedule when you got Bama and Georgia on your schedule every single year. And you look at Auburn, they also go to AM this year, have to go to LSU. Those are tough, tough games. So I've got Auburn going six and six. I don't think seven and five is out of the question. I've got them losing uh, at AM, Georgia, at LSU, Ole Miss, which they could win at home, but I got them losing to the uh, to the Rebs. I got them losing at Arkansas and then Alabama to end the year. So six and six. I think the, I think they'll look a lot better this year. I think they'll be a lot more competitive. I think Auburn fans will feel better about where they are going into the next season. But Hugh Freeze is just awful, so I personally want them to just face plant by the end of the season. Oh, I, I absolutely do, too. Charlie. I have them going five he and is, seven. Um, we don't want to insult him. He's just not a great guy. Let's just not say that. Not great. Not a great dude. But, Curtis, what's your record for Auburn this year? Um, I'm with Tyler. I have them going six and six with the same exact losses. All right. Well, next up is my favorite SEC West team, possibly, with Sam Pittman you have and a Arkansas. Of you have a love affair with Sam Pittman. I mean, I think he's a nice guy. Uh, the Hogs finished a disappointing 6-6 six and six se- season last year, but quarterback K.J. Jefferson is coming back along with Raheem Sanders, who might be the best running back in the SEC. Um, it's a little biased. I have Arkansas going 8-4. and four. Hopefully no. better. Not biased. Can I take this, Charlie? Sure. Okay. Not biased at all, Charlie. Uh, actually, Curtis, I'm going to let you go here because I'm, I'm curious what your take is. I think I, I have a financial incentive to be higher on Arkansas than the average person. So I want to see if I'm just crazy. Curtis, what do you think about Arkansas? I have them going nine and three. Okay. All right. So you, oh, all right. Who do they lose to? Um, I have them losing to LSU, A&M, and Bama. And so who? Okay, so I have them going eight and four. So you had LSU. I have a loss to LSU. I have a loss to AM. I have a loss to Bama. I have a loss at Ole Miss. But they could win that game easily. Maybe they. What would they? What they beat Ole Miss by like forty last year? Arkansas could definitely win that game for sure. I like Ole Miss this year. I guess we'll get to them here shortly. Um, I don't think you're crazy, Curtis. Do you think KJ Jefferson? Like he's got a lot of love as like the best quarterback in the SEC this year. Do you see him that way? No, and especially I don't know. Like I really don't expect Dan Enos to vibe with him. Yeah, I have quite. That's my big question with Arkansas. Is okay, you bring in a new coordinator. I like this. The system they ran with Bryles and KJ Jefferson the past couple of years, it fit Jefferson's skills to like to a T. Enos has done some quarterback run stuff before, and he's been in Arkansas, so he's got some familiarity there. I just I'm curious to see what that looks like. But you're right, Charlie. Raheem Sanders is really, really, really good. They brought in a bunch of dudes that no one knows about from like the JUCO ranks. And like you hear their names, like I'm not even gonna say their names. You don't know who these people are. Watch their tape. I wouldn't watch their tape. These guys can play, man. They got some dudes that receive that just no one's gonna know about until early in the year. I think people are gonna find out about them really quickly. I think Jefferson's a good solid quarterback. I think he's just a, a different style runner. Um, he does really well off play action. So if they get the run game going, which I think they will, because they run the ball really well. Defensively, that was their issue last year. So they, if they can be better on defense, I don't think nine three is crazy. Um, but yeah, I got eight and four. This is another team. That yeah, they let me down last year in my win total bet, but you know what? I'm doubling down on it this year. I got the Hogs once again over six and a half, so I feel good about that one. All right, Ole Miss is making a rare appearance in Athens this year. It'll be their first trip to the Classic City since 2012, 
And only their fourth trip this century. That is insane. Like those facts. That, those are big time facts. Yeah. Really. Curtis, what do you expect from Lane Kiffin and the Rebels this year? I have them going eight and four this year with losses to Alabama, Arkansas, A&M, and Georgia. I also have the Rebs going eight and four. You said Alabama, A&M, LSU, and Georgia. Ar- is that you said? Arkansas and Georgia. Arkansas. You have them beating LSU. Yeah, I have that being LSU's lone loss this year. Okay. All right. Yeah. And that's okay. That's LSU's lone loss. That's not crazy. I mean, at home, I can see that happening. I think Ole Miss is a really talented team. I really do. Like, at least offensively, they have a lot of skill talent, man. They brought in this kid, this Franklin kid from UTSA, who's really, really good last year. That UTSA offense, that Roadrunner offense, one of the most fun offenses to watch last year with Frank Harris, at quarterback. That dude is really good. I mean, Quinshaw Judkins is awesome. Um, you have Jackson Dart, who looks like he's going to win the job, but if he falters early, you got Spencer Sanders, who might be the best backup quarterback in America. Very, very possibly could be. So I, I think Ole Miss is really good on offense. I love their offensive scheme, what they do. Defensively, I should have questions. You bring in Pete Golding, Curse. How much, like, how much of an impact do you think Pete Golding's going to have in in year one? Does he change? Not much at all. The guy had no impact at Bama, so how's he going to have an impact, a crazy impact here? I think that's a, that's a that's a good way to look at it. My here's my my thought. The past couple years they have just been so passive on defense. Like they've been running this three three five, and they just let teams run all over them. Golding's not going to run a three three five. He's going to come in and run their traditional Bama Kirby Smart type defense, right? And I think he's going to be more aggressive and force the issue more than they have in years past. And they'll probably get burned some doing that. But I think just the schematic change might help them improve somewhat defensively, but I'm with you. I don't think it's like a wholesale change. They're not going to go from being what they have been. Oh, they were better last year, but they're not going to go from what they have been to all of a sudden now being like a top 40 defense in America. That's not going to happen. And and for Ole Miss to actually start beating the teams like the Bamas of the world, they've in the Georgia of the world, they've got to get better defensively. That's what they have to do. And I just I don't know if Pete Goins going to solve that, at least not in year one. All right, well, to wrap up the SEC West, we have Mississippi State heading into, unfortunately, the post-Mike Leach era with a green head coach and an entirely new offensive system. I have them going 5-7, and seven, which will tie them for the worst record in the SEC West with Auburn. So, Curtis, what do you think about Mississippi State this year? I have them going 8-4. and four. Or, I mean, not 8-4, and 4-8, four, four and eight, actually. Yep, that's what I have too. I have four and eight, man. Um, any hope they can get to, to bulge? But like, what is it about this Mississippi State team, Curtis, that you're not so high on? I just like the thing. I just don't know how the new offensive scheme is going to work. Yeah, um, that's it. I think me. that I think that's the biggest thing. Even if you still try to run the Mike Leach offense, as we've seen, it's hard to replicate what he does. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, but what they're doing is they're making a wholesale change offensively. And Will Rogers, no joke, guys. Prior to this season. He has not ever in his life taken a snap under center. Like in a, in a real, and let's go back to high school, guys. He ran the air raid in high school. That's why he was such a great fit with Mike Leach. That's what he ran in high school. This dude has never taken a snap under center outside of like a goal line situation. He just hasn't. And what that means is he's never had to turn his back to a defense. When you're sitting there in shotgun, you don't turn your back to, your, to a defense. You don't take a drop like that when you're going to play action. He's never done that. And all of a sudden, he's just going to be able to do that this year and be the same Will Rogers that he was under Mike Leach? No. Like, he was an incredible fit for Mike Leach's air raid offense. He was so awesome in that system. He's just not going to be that guy in this system. This is The pro-style system requires quarterbacks to actually have physical tools, and he doesn't have those. Like, he's, he's accurate, but he has no arm whatsoever. He just doesn't have those tools. So making that wholesale change in one year, and let's not forget, they don't really have the offensive line to do this either. So I don't see how this is going to work out for them in year one. I think it's a very – 
very aggressive move by Zach Arnett, who's an in, who was he got this job by default basically as the defense coordinator and who's the interim guy, and they just gave him the job because it's like you know it's kind of a bad look to go into full scale coaching search when Mike Leach just passed away. R.I.P. The Pirate Man, Goat. Um, so he like he might have one year if they don't win this year. If, if they go four and eight, he's probably gone. And you're going to bring an entirely new offensive system that's almost going to guarantee you're not going to be as good as you were last year. I I think that's a bad move on his part, but we'll see. I don't know. So I got them going forward, and I'm with you there, man. All right, so those are the regular season picks. Let's move into the postseason, starting with the SEC championship. Curtis, tell me who you have in the championship and who you have winning. I have Georgia over LSU in the SEC championship game. All right, Tyler. All right, so I have uh, both LSU and Bama going 10-2. and two. Both those teams are going to have a non-conference loss in those high-profile games, LSU to Florida State, Bama to Texas. So that leaves them both with one conference loss. I have Bama beating LSU, so I do have Alabama facing Georgia in the SEC title game. I don't feel great about this, man. Like, I, don't, I, I just don't think this is a vintage Bama team. But again, I don't think the LSU is – I don't think LSU is what people are making them out to be. I think they're really good. I don't know if they were are elite. I don't think they were elite last year. They were nine and three. They got their doors blown off at home by Tennessee. Now there were some extenuating circumstances in that game. It was an early game in Baton Rouge. Like, oh my God, I'm sorry, LSU. You had to play one early game in Baton Rouge. Deal with it. And then they lost in the season to a five and seven A and M team, a team that was four and seven going to that game. I I don't think LSU is that elite team. I I think Jay Daniels is a good quarterback. I hear a lot about Malik Neighbors being one of the best receivers in the country. I think he's really good. I'm not sure he's one of the best receivers in the country. I think their front six is really, really good. I'm interested to see what Harold Perkins is like an inside linebacker. I'm not sure if that's going to kind of take away some of his edge or what makes him dynamic. I'm sure they'll use him rushing the pasture on third downs. I have questions about their secondary. So I just don't think LSU is that team. Um, I'm not sure Alabama is that great either. They have major quarterback issues, major quarterback issues. And I'm still not sure they have those guys at receiver yet either. But I think by default, they're going to win the West and go face Georgia in the SEC title game where they are going to get punked by our Georgia Bulldogs. I also have Georgia and Bama in the SEC championship with Georgia winning. So finally, for our college football playoff and national championship predictions on August 27th, 2023, I have, let's see, Georgia, Penn State, FSU, and Michigan. And Curtis, and I guess I have Georgia winning. Not I guess I have Georgia who, who, winning. Who do you have winning the semifinal games? Uh, Georgia and FSU. So you have Georgia playing who? FSU. In the, oh, in the, Michigan. Okay, Georgia, Michigan, Penn State, Florida State. Georgia winning, FSU winning, Georgia FSU title game. Yes. Okay. And Curtis, what do you think is going to happen? Okay, so I have Georgia, Michigan, Texas, and Clemson making the Final Four. Dude, I thought long and hard about that same one. I have Georgia and Texas in the finals with Georgia winning. Tell me about Clemson. Why Clemson? Um, I just have that belief in Dabo over everything with Florida State. You know, everyone's all the hypes around Florida State. But Clemson, I think Cade Klubinick going is a a big step up at quarterback. And as we know, they've always recruited well defensively. So that's always going to be a strength for their team. And I think Klubinick's going to be the difference. Curtis, you and I are essentially of the same mind here, man. I, 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 the first three to me are pretty clear. I've got Georgia, I've got Florida State, I've got Texas. I'm sorry, I got Georgia, I've got Michigan, and I've got Texas. I don't think like if Texas beats Alabama, it's a done deal. Put them in the playoff. 
because there's I don't see who's going to beat them in the Big 12. I know, you know, they were 8-4 last year. I get that. But this is a different team. Here's the thing with Texas. They are loaded everywhere on offense. My only question is quarterback because last year, Quinn Ewers was not good. He was not a good quarterback last year. Now, that was his first year really playing quarterback position at the college level. I mean, he was – I know he played Ohio State or it was a uh, – riding the bench there for one year, but that was when he should have been a senior in high school. He left high school early to go get, get NIL money. That a uh, law in Texas says he can't get money as, an, as a high school student via NIL. So he's really a first-year guy. Now, he was dreadfully bad at times, like just missing wide-open guys. Curtis, how much faith do you have in him taking that step forward this year and being the guy everyone thought he was going to be? Um, I think he can. I mean, I think that um, we've seen what he can do when he's actually decently on in the Alabama game. And I think that's what I expect to see more in year two of starting and year two in um, Sark system. Yeah, I'm not convinced like he's I don't think he's what everyone made him out to be coming out of high school, like the highest rated quarterback ever. Like I don't think he's necessarily that guy. I haven't seen that yet. I mean, he missed some wide open dudes like very badly, very inaccurate last year. But I do think he can take a step forward this year enough to where he can just get the ball to his playmakers. They have so many playmakers, man. You got A.D. Mitchell. We know what that guy's all about. Xavier Worthy, stud. You got Whittington back. Um, I know that they lose B. John Robinson. They have a ton of highly rated guys that recruited at the running back position. They had two two tackles last year that were freshmen. And those dudes are back this year, and they are going to be much better than all on the offensive line. And look, Sark has been doing a really good job of, of building this team like an SEC-style team, like along the lines of scrimmage. They're the, defensively. That's my big question. Quarterback and are they quite there defensively? They were solid enough defensively. I think they have enough players on that side of the ball to give me reason to believe, especially what they have offensively and the fact they play in the Big 12. I'm not saying they're going to win the, the national championship. That's not, I don't think that's going to happen. But look at their path to get there. Oklahoma is not the same Oklahoma. This is not Lincoln Riley, Oklahoma. TCU is not going to be what TCU was last year. Kansas State is your standard bearer. I mean, I know they beat Texas last year. But that was a pretty close game. I think Texas is going to run through the Big 12, probably undefeated. And if they lose to Alabama, I mean, that on the road, that's a that's that's also not going to kill you. If if you run through the the Big 12, which I think they can, undefeated and win the Big 12 championship, I just don't know who the really who the true contender is to challenge them in the Big 12. So, so I've got Georgia, I've got Texas, I've also got Michigan coming out of the Big 10. I think they will once again be the class of the Big 10. And then my fourth team. Now, Curtis, I did strongly consider Clemson here. I did. And it's not because I think Clemson's going to be that great. I, I agree that Clemson's going to be an upgrade over Uwe Ungalale. That's almost a certainty. And they have some good players on defense, although I don't know if they had the game changers on the defensive line. I know Tyler Davis and Aroro are good players up front for them. Xavier Thomas has been there for a while. He's never quite been the guy they were hoping he would be. They're kind of banking on that this year. We'll see. They're good on defense. I just don't know if they have that elite top-shelf talent like they've had in the past. I know people are bigger on their linebackers, and those guys are good. And Barrett Carter's a really good player. But I think they're going to need that defense to be like old-school, elite, Clemson-level defenses. I just don't know if they have the dudes on offense. I do, again, agree that Clemson's going to be an upgrade for them over Uwe Ungale, but, I mean, how much is that really saying? Is Klubnik ready to be that kind of guy? Is he ready to be a Trevor Lawrence, Deshaun Watson guy this year? I don't know that we've seen enough for him to say that he is going to be that kind of guy or really anything even close to that this year. Will Shipley's a good back. I, I love his running style. I love the way the guy plays. He plays a 1,000 miles an hour at all times. I love that. I respect that. But they also don't have anyone to receiver. Their receiving core has taken a massive hit over the past couple of years. I know they've dealt with some injuries. That is fair to say. 
but it's just not the same group. It's just not. So I don't think they have the same weapons offensively. I don't think they're going to be as good on defense. I don't think they have the dominant players on defense that they've had in the past. So I don't know if it's going to be Clemson. I do think that they can beat Florida State at home. That'll probably be a night game, big primetime game on ABC, and they can very well beat Florida State at home. But they're going to have to beat Florida State again in the ACC Championship game because there's no divisions anymore in the ACC. I think Florida State, if they get the rematch, if they lose the first time around, if they get that rematch on a neutral site, I think they are just a more talented team right now than Clemson is. So I would give Florida State the edge there, and I think that will propel the Knowles into the college playoff. Now, the interesting scenario to think about is like, what if both those teams have one loss? What if Clemson runs through the regular season undefeated, they lose to Florida State in the ACC title game, Florida loses to Clemson in the regular season, they beat Clemson in the ACC title game. Both teams have one loss. Do they both get in the playoff? We've seen that before with the Big Ten, the SEC, never before the ACC. Does it happen this year? But I go back to what I said about Clemson. I just don't think that they are a vintage Clemson team. I think that they will slip up somewhere else on the schedule. Maybe it's Notre Dame. Curtis, you mentioned he thought Notre Dame was better this year based on what we saw against Navy. Maybe it's at Miami. Maybe it's at NC State with Brennan Armstrong. Who knows? Maybe it's in Columbia, South Carolina. I told you earlier, I don't expect Clemson to lose that game, but I didn't expect them to lose to the Gamecocks last year. So maybe that happened. So Clemson's not a crazy pick. I, I respect it. I just, I like Florida State more this year. I think Jordan Travis is legit. They have two studs at wide receiver in Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson. I think Trey Benson, if he can stay healthy, might very well be, I don't know if I want to say the best back in the country, but one of the best backs in the country that they love to run the counterplay, and that dude runs it to perfection. Jared Verse on defense, I don't know if they're elite on defense, but I think they're close enough. I think their offense is going to be dynamic. So I'm going to take Florida State. So I'm going to go Georgia 1, Texas number 2, Michigan 3. The only reason I have Texas over Michigan is if they beat Alabama and they run the table in the Big 12, they're going to have a better win than Michigan does. Michigan's non-conference is basically like our non-conference. I don't know why they don't get more hate about their non-conference schedule. It sucks. So Texas 2, Michigan 3, and Florida State 4. I have us beating Florida State in New Orleans in the Sugar Bowl. Florida State's going to be good this year. I don't know if they're ready for that yet. I don't know if they're quite ready to beat Georgia and make it to to the national championship game. Michigan and Texas is going to be a heck of a matchup. Right now, I'm going to put my faith in Michigan. I think Michigan might very well be the second best team in the country. They have so much returning talent coming back. I will say this about Michigan. At the very least, I think they are the team entering this season with the fewest questions. I think that's fair. Now, do they have the ceiling of Georgia or Texas or even Florida State? I think maybe it's fair to say they don't, but this is a really, really good football team. I have them beating Texas, advancing to the national championship game against our Georgia Bulldogs, where we will just smack them down once again, like we did in Miami in the Orange Bowl a couple years back, because you are not going to out Georgia, Georgia. I've said it a million times. I'll say it again. Michigan is really, really, really good this year, but they are going to try to beat us playing our game. And no one in the Kirby Smart era has been able to do that, at least since 2017. We've lost some games, but we haven't lost the teams trying to beat us the way that we beat teams because we just have more talent than you and we will do it better than you do. So it's just a bad matchup for Michigan. If if somehow, some way, Florida State found a way to beat us or whoever beat us and Michigan gets to play them, I would pick Michigan to win the national title. I just think that we are a very, very bad matchup for Michigan. So give me Georgia to pull off the unprecedented three-peat in the college football playoff era. And real quick, I know some of you are probably wondering, okay, what about the Pac-12 teams? 
I think the Pac-12 is going to be a lot of fun this year. I think there are four or five teams that could win that conference. I think Washington, Oregon, Utah, USC, and maybe you want to throw UCLA in there. I don't think I quite have them in that same tier. I think it's really those top four. I think any of those teams are capable of winning that conference, but I don't know if any of those teams are like truly elite, elite teams, and I think they will beat up on each other, and whoever wins that conference is going to come out of there with two losses. So that's why I don't have them, although I did take a flyer on Washington, not just to win the Pac-12, I, did, I do have that ticket, but I also have Washington to make the college football playoff just as a long shot. But yeah, Georgia, 3 P. let's go. All right, well, I think that wraps it up. I think that's it. Any, any last words, Curtis? No, I think we got it. Let's, uh, let's get this season rolling, man. Let's get this thing going. All right, guys, that officially does it for our preseason predictions episode. That's each team in the SEC plus our college football playoff picks. We're going to have even more picks for you later this week. I will have my official win totals picks episodes for you. I'll also throw in some mailbag questions. We've had a few of those coming in over the past couple of weeks. So if you have any mailbag questions before the season kicks off, send those in at glory underscore UGA or glory UGA podcast at gmail.com. We'll try to work some of those in as well. And Charlie and I will be back on Thursday because we have games on Thursday. We'll be back with our week one picks of the week. So don't miss any of that, guys. It's here, man. It is here and it is beautiful. It is glorious. Let's go. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you, Curtis. I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs.